0: Principal Matters Podcast, episode 156. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the school leaders podcast. Each week, we bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. You can check out all resources for school leaders at my website at williamdparker.com. Today, we're going to be talking about managing and implementing change with my guest and co-host, Jen Schwanki, who's also the author of You're the Principal, Now What? Strategies and Solutions that Work for School Leaders and the Principal of Indian Run Elementary School in Dublin, Ohio. Jen, welcome back to Principal Matters. Thanks so much for joining us in this episode. And how's it going during your summer?
1: Hi, Will. It's so great to be here. Um, Summer is lovely, as many educators can attest. It is just a nice slower pace and a lot of time to reflect and think. So it's been a great summer so far. How about you?
0: It's been a good summer, too. We've had some time with family and opportunities to travel. And I always remember people asking me in my principalship, so what do you do in the summer? And it's so hard to answer that question. I always wanted to say, have you ever been on a cruise ship? What do, you think, what do you think happens when everyone exits the cruise ship? If you're managing the ship, you don't just go to sleep. You start stocking and getting ready and doing hiring and getting everything set up for that next cruise. And so summer can be a good time to be separate from some of those day-to-day conflicts. But you don't stop working. You still are constantly planning.
1: Well, I have a lot of colleagues who are still hiring, you know, those last minute resignations or changes and hmm. and then you've got your facility changes and updates and the wax and the paint and the um, decisions to make and moving classrooms and still parent meetings and all of that. So it is, it's busy. I, I come home from a day at work and my children say, well, what did you do all day? And usually I'm too tired to tell them. So <laughs> that way it's a lot like the school year.
0: Well, one of the things that's great about summer too is planning for the new year. And that's one of the wonderful things about our work is that every year is a fresh start. Not everybody has careers where you get a fresh start every year. You always have new students that are going to be coming into your schools. You have some new people on your team. And introducing and managing school-wide initiatives or change can be exciting, but it it can also be intimidating. And so, Jen, today I I want to talk about some of the takeaways that you and I have both experienced and things that we've seen other leaders practice in managing school-wide initiatives or change. And why don't you begin by talking a little bit about a story that will help us think about what it's like to implement change.
1: Absolutely. I think that a real risk of summer, to be quite honest, is that we feel that since it's a fresh start we need to you know, flush the toilet on everything and start over with, with some new initiatives and, and big changes. And I had a boss, she's actually transitioning now to a new district, but she was wonderful, smart, smart lady. And whenever the idea of a big change or a huge initiative would come up, I would see her kind of squirm a little and she would listen. And then eventually she'd say, okay, what problem are you actually trying to solve here? Mm-hmm. And it would always make everyone in the room think, huh, because if there was a long silence and no one could quickly say, here's the problem, and we're looking for a solution, then she would say, if there's no problem, then don't, you know, throw out the baby with with the bathwater, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very uh, difficult to implement a big initiative or a change unless there's a reason to, because your staff, your students, your families, they'll see right through it. And it will just become busy work and noise, so people need to know the why behind any kind of change, and that's something I really, really hang on to that I learned from from her. Just what problem are you trying to solve?
0: I love that, and also what I like about that too it's it's a good reminder that change should not be sudden i mean obviously there are some things that have to happen because there may be a situation in your building or you're aware of a situation that needs to be resolved or there are there's data suggesting that you have certain kids that are struggling with specific areas that need to be addressed. But I, I like to remind school leaders, especially as you're coming out of the summer, one of the worst things you, you can actually do is to introduce too much change at the beginning of the school year. There's, there's a dread among teachers when their principals come back from the summer of, oh, no, what are we going to have to do now? And one of the things that I like to suggest to principals is if you are considering change, especially if you, if you are already in a building, you're established, you've been leading a team, that conversation needs to start long before the beginning of that school year. In fact, I think ideally what I like to s- suggest is if you could start conversations on change the previous year, that's a better time to be having those conversations as you're identifying things that are challenges, as you're looking at things that need to change. How How can you do that far in advance? And And I know both of us have examples of of that, Jim, but I'll just give a quick example. Several years ago in our school, we were identifying kids that were struggling with specific learning standards, and we knew that we needed to do more targeted remediation with kids. But instead of trying to come up with a quick fix right there, or even looking at other models that we could adapt, we spent an entire year having that conversation about what could we do this coming year so that we can begin to make those changes going into this year. And that by itself, by, by having those conversations long in advance, you are already helping people to create buy-in. You're giving them a sense of something that's getting ready to happen in the future. And together, you can come up with a plan to implement versus just showing up at the beginning of a school year and saying, all right, here we go. Here's going to be the big change.
1: I think there's a lot of anxiety from teachers in particular but also of course parents and students at the beginning of a school year. And so if you invite them all to a staff meeting and say welcome back and then hit them with this these are the ways it's going to be different, that really does uh, tear down a lot of trust. I think of it the analogy I have is when you go on a long trip all you want to do is come home and you want your sheets to smell the same and you want your dog to be glad to see you and you want the neighborhood to be in, intact. And if we have teachers come back from summer and everything is different and they have to completely wrap their mind around a whole new way of doing things, they're going to shut down and they're going to start their school year anxious. And that isn't good for anyone. So you know, using your example, I like that you, you thought about starting a year in advance. And I also say start small. Uh-huh. What we're working on this summer is a different way to do discipline referrals We have, we have used a system that I would liken to bubble gum and scotch tape. You know, this kind of call the office or call somebody if you need them and send a kid and it's just not working. So we're going to start with some, you know, some paper referrals or just some systems in place. We'll see how those work. We are not going to launch an entire database and we're not going to require this and that. We're going to get a lot of feedback as we launch this change because we want to start small, see what doesn't work and adjust as we go. And our big goal is don't make any teacher think there's one more thing that they still have to do it the old way and they're going to have to do something a new way too.
0: I like that. And there's lots of ways that you can start small. So let's talk about that for just a minute in terms of just some specific ways that principals could start small with their teams. And and one of those is by identifying people on your team who have strengths in a specific area. For instance, when we were looking at a new remediation schedule for the coming school year, I assembled people, I asked for feedback from people that were interested in helping lead that initiative and pulling those like-minded people together who had good input, who were willing to look at models, were willing to share those models with other teachers, were willing to bring some ideas to the table. It was an initiative and an idea that became teacher-driven, not just school leadership-driven. And when you have ideas that become teacher-driven, then there's going to be a whole lot more buy-in from the people that are that are on your team.
1: Well, and let me swing back back around to what problem are we trying to solve? Usually Mm -hmm. the problem you're trying to solve is one that the teachers are living with. Mm -hmm. It's their problem that they're living with. And so to have them buy in into and say this is going to make your work better. This is going to make you feel an immediate impact, then that buy-in will really help to to make sure that it works in the end.
0: Well, and let's address something else that I think is important too in managing change. And that's I think the importance of mindset. Whenever we travel to the mountains. My wife and I just came back from a trip to Colorado and had a great time with our with our kiddos and Principal Matters listeners. Some of you listen to my encore episode on why vacation matters and we've just had a great vacation. But one of the things that we love to do is to hike mountains. And hiking mountains can be both exhilarating and grueling at the same time because you know ahead of time what the map looks like, you know how long it's gonna take. And that initial jump in when you've got all your gear and you've got your water and your snacks and the kids are excited can be exhilarating because the beginning of the hike is always the most exciting part. But inevitably, when you start the climb and you hit the elevation and you hit the altitude and and that, that trail becomes longer and longer, it gets harder and harder as you go. And you have to do something mentally in the middle of that hike, which is to remind yourself that what's at the top is worth all of the pain that you're now experiencing as you're going, this together. And I think sometimes leaders fail to look at change like climbing. It's not something that's a quick fix. It's not something that's going to happen in a moment. It's not something that happens because you hand someone a piece of paper and a map. It is a journey. And so understanding what that journey is going to be like before you begin it helps you to navigate those different seasons that you're going to go through Right.
1: Well, and let's talk about a nice hike, a nice long hike when you, um, I remember I hiked Mount Talik in Lake Tahoe with my husband and we got to the top and we had that exhilaration. And we're like, this is it. And then we thought, oh, we got to go back down. (laughs) So I would connect that to change in the sense that you have to then live with it you have to okay what have we done <laughs> you know and and you have to have the endurance and really the long view so we want to get up we want to go through the emotional ups and downs of that part and then we're going to get back down and we're going to do it together and we're going to have planned for this and there will be times we're not sure where the trail is or what we should do next. But getting in it together. And that reminds me, actually, Will, of a lot of your listeners have heard of Brene Brown. Mm-hmm. And recently I was listening to her audiobook from Rising Strong. And I won't, don't quote me here, but she was talking about the series of emotions that go into change and planning initiative um, adjustments. And she talked about how the second day is always the hardest in say a three-day uh, conference or a meeting, because that's when it's really getting hard. That's when you're thinking about how this is going to look in practice and how we're going to get people's buy-in, how we're going to sustain it and endure the naysayers. And that's a that's a great book if people are looking to, to think more about Change, because sometimes there are really hard days, and I think with, as a principal, it's easy to think, "Why did I even do this?" What, I, you know, all I want is for things to get better, and nobody seems to be on in this with me. It can feel lonely, and it can feel hard. And you think, "Well, you know what? I'll just go back to the old way." You know, that's what they—they're complaining so much. Let's go back to the old way, and that's not the right answer. The right answer is keep climbing.
0: Yeah, and so I think it's so important for a leader's mindset as you're stepping into any situation in leadership, especially if you're leading change, to go ahead and embrace the fact that it's going to be difficult, that there are going to be high emotions, that there's going to be some people that feel like this is too hard. There's going to be the whole gamut of those. And and another book I would like to recommend is one by Britt Andretti called Wired to Resist. And she has another book called Wired for Change, which is about what happens in your brain when you're, when you're learning. She did a second book called Wired to Resist, which was a study on what happens to your brain when it's confronted with change. And often those emotions that we face when we're stepping into change are not just emotions, they're also anatomical. There are actually things happening in your brain when you confront change that make you resist it. And so I think it's important for us to just embrace that. You know, you spoke about Brene Brown and something I love to hear her say, Jen, is embrace the suck. You know, yes. <laughs> if, you're, if you're stepping into a difficult situation and you know you need to stop and really grapple with what's happening here, learn to embrace the suck, which is kind of a West Point phrase for men and women who are, you know, stepping into a really grueling workout. You know, embrace the fact that it's gonna be tough and don't be surprised by the emotions that are that are part of that, that are a part of the the difficulty that comes with change.
1: You know, I've spent a lot of time this summer wondering how I can capture this level-headedness that I have in the summer (laughs) because I really do um, feel different in, in the summer. And I think it's because... A lot of times in the school year, principals are so, we're very reactive. Things come to us and we are having to react, react, react. And then when things go badly, we feel, we take it personally and we go to the darkest place in the room. You know, I can't do this. This is terrible. I'm so tired. But what I, I am going to try and do in the future is kind of encapsulate what you just said about Brene Brown. and Embrace the sect. It's going to be hard. And especially as it relates to change and new initiatives, there's going to be people who say, I hate this. I hate this. But if you take what you've said about um, the wired to change or wired to resist, it helps because then you think this is all natural. It's biological. People don't like change because that's the way we're wired. Right. And so it's not that they don't like me or they don't like the school or they're just really, really negative. They're they're wired to have some kind of a resistance to this.
0: Well, and another idea that's been helpful for me too is one that was able to practice in that same initiative that I was talking about earlier. And it's the idea of, of beta testing. And I wish I could remember who to give this credit to, but I, I can't off the top of my head. But I remember hearing in some conversations on leadership and business entrepreneurship, the idea of, of beta testing a product or a service before you ever go fully launched. And I, and as I heard that, I thought, why why are we not doing that in school leadership? You know, we come up with these great ideas and these great initiatives and we might implement school-wide and then we get all kinds of pushback and then we start tweaking at that point. And so, one of the things that we tried to do the year that we were planning for this huge change in remediation schedule was, and we had gathered a team of advisors and teachers together is I asked them to come up with some models that we could test. And so we took a couple of different models and we set a schedule in advance and told teachers and kids, Hey, we're going to model this, this, this new schedule idea, because this is something we're considering for next year. And we beta tested that on a couple of separate dates did surveys, got feedback from participants. And there were a couple of things that happened in that that were helpful. Number one, we got to test the ideas before they were fully being implemented, which was good because we could see what that model looked like in action. And two, we got pushback just like you do when you implement fully. And, and the team was actually surprised. They were surprised at how quickly they had to face negativity. But the positive part of that was that they were facing it long before the full implementation. And so the same emotions that we would have had in full implementation were the same emotions we were getting in beta testing, but you had space between when you were going to implement and when you're going to fully implement. And so I think sometimes we underestimate the, the power of testing something before we fully implement, if you have the opportunity to do that.
1: Well, and you mentioned, you know, a stakeholder, stakeholders and a team. I think what that does whenever you do some beta testing, um, we call it piloting a lot in our district. You know, I'm going to get a pilot group. We're going to see how this works. What you do then is when you work out the wrinkles and you get your plan more solidified, you have just doubled or tripled your stakeholders who understand the value and the change and they understand some of the pitfalls that they're going to run into. So they, then you have a group of people who not only have come up with the idea and the planning, but you have people who say, I've done it. Mm-hmm. And this is what I'm gonna tell you the benefits are. And you know, it's it goes back to the conversations, principles never hear that happen in the hallways and the lounge. You want those conversations to be ones from your people who have lived it a little bit, lived a piece of it and said, no, guys, it's worth it. Let's get on board. That's where the real leadership is. It's to get that beta testing with the people who can help communicate why it has value.
0: Yeah. You know, Jen, I think you have to recognize where your strengths and weaknesses are too. And in the example that I've been giving, one of the things that I did in that situation too, was I, I learned to step back and let that team of teachers take leadership. And so, I remember the meeting that I was sitting in when they were brainstorming some of the things that they were going to be doing next. And I actually said to them, while we've done a lot of brainstorming, I'm going to skip the next meeting so that you guys can decide what implementation should look like. Because if I stay in this meeting, we're going to continue to dream and come up with more ideas. But if I can step out of this, I think you guys would probably be more productive because I'm a dreamer. But I had people on that team that their strengths were implementation. And so, Knowing what the strengths of the people are surrounding you is helpful too. Sometimes you've got people on your team that are amazingly skilled in technology and they might be able to come up with something that you could do digitally. Um, They might be able to come up with something that you you would never think about. And so I think it's important when you're implementing change to know what your role is, to know where your strengths are, but also to gather people around you that can carry that strength and carry that leadership because you don't want to do it alone.
1: I love the step away concept. I'm actually the opposite, Will. I'm such a doer. I want a list. I want to know what the timeline is. I want to know what's going to happen. And I have learned to do uh, to step away, but for the opposite reason that you have. I have said, okay, here's where we want to get, get in the end. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to have you meet for a couple of times and you're going to dream big. Mm-hmm. And you're going to think of things that I would never think of. Then I'll come back into this conversation and we'll get out the timeline and the calendars and we'll set those go. kind of dates. So it, it's exactly your point. What What are your strengths and where is it that you need to step away and let other people fly? Because especially when you've got a principal who really wants the change, teachers will look and say, okay, what do you want? Just tell me where you want it. What we need to do, and you don't want that because then you don't have, like you said, the beta testing, and you don't have the stakeholders. You don't have your team. It also helps too. Sometimes change just looks flashy and new and exciting. You know, brand new. Let's let's put this into place. But if you know your strengths, know your weaknesses, and know when to step away, then you'll give your team a chance to look at sustainability and how this can really, really be implemented well in a way that will endure, in a way that will, you know, 10 years from now, it will be part of the fiber of our school. It won't be new anymore.
0: Yeah, I think that's important. And then here's another question, and this might be our final point, Jen, in today's episode. But if you are considering managing or implementing something new in your school, ask yourself this other important question. What is something that I can remove from the responsibility lists of my teachers or the school that can make room for this new thing. Because often where leaders create frustration and difficulty for their teams is they are introducing new ideas, trying to implement new change, but they've put so much responsibility on the people on their team, it, they fail to remove the things that may no longer be successful. And I I think you have a story that you can tell us um in your own experience about some of the things you're you've grappled with in terms of of change.
1: Yeah. Change of course, change is always difficult. I think one one of the things that I have experienced not too long ago was we were going to completely eliminate <laughs> Um, it a uh, field day that we had had for 35 years. And it was the exact same format. It had been for 35 years. And then one of the staff members had retired and we had a new person in and we were going to do it very, very differently. And the new teacher and I, the new PE teacher and I angsted about this. We thought, you know, we know what we're going to implement is good. We know it's going to be something people will grow to love, but they're going to be so hung up on the fact that it's different. How are we going to address that? And we talked about, you know, how, how could they possibly have anything to complain about? Well, a lot, it turns out. <laughs> Again, because they are wired to resent and resist change. And we heard a lot of, well, don't change everything at once. And the teacher and I dug into that. What does that mean? And we decided that meant they were scared. They, they were scared that they wouldn't be able to keep up with all of the changes. But in the end, we just decided to communicate well, to share all of the reasons that we felt this change was, was needed, why the timing was right. We wanted to talk a lot about evolution and how, if you do the same thing for decades and decades, you're probably missing a better way, a more efficient way and so on. And we figured with the right communication and then to um, roll it out, we would, and in fact, did find that everybody found it such a relief. They were ready for the change, and they were excited. And it was um, a whole different way of looking at this same event. The other thing we did too, and I would suggest this for principals whenever they want to eliminate something: flip the calendar. We had always had this event in the spring. We start we, and we moved it to the fall. Mm. And that seems small, but it was huge because their mindsets were different in the fall. And they didn't have the exhaustion that they usually carried in May, which made this day such an event. Everybody was ready for it in September. So what by telling that story, I'm trying to wrap up a whole bunch of the comments that we've had, or the, the points that we've made today, is that um, there is resistance to change. Communication and stakeholders really do matter start slow, communicate well, and then look at sustainability and don't be afraid to make changes.
0: Mm -hmm. Let me ask you one final question, Jen, before we wrap this up, because I know this is a question that a listener is going to have, which is what happens when I'm asked to implement something that I don't like? Because my district sometimes gives me change initiatives that maybe are not always the thing that I came up with or that my team came up with. So talk about that for a couple of minutes, because I know you've had to manage that in your leadership.
1: I think particularly with people with big districts, sometimes initiatives come down and they are going to be implemented and we need to we need to do it. That's what we're paid to do. Mm-hmm. What I t- have tended to do in that situation, and if I get a mandate from higher up, I will say, great, but can we start small? Mm-hmm. Can I start with a small group? Can I just pilot it first? Mm-hmm. And- You know, I think 10 times out of 10, the answer has been, yeah, sure. Just so that you're looking at how this can be implemented into your school. Then you gather some people that you know will understand. Sometimes we just got to do things we don't want to do. You get those people, you implement it, and then you can give feedback to your supervisors about things that you might want to do differently. And it might turn out that you love it, or it might turn out that it fizzles. A lot of times initiatives are, you know, a flash in the pan and they will go away. But you are paid to be a soldier sometimes. And I think you've got to implement it as best you can with a great attitude.
0: That's great feedback. And something else I would add to that too, when you're talking to because often district leadership will invest a lot of resources in their principals for a new change, maybe take you to a conference, maybe bring in a PD person. And I, I like to ask the question, when can I take some of my teachers to this training? Because if we're going to implement this, I need them to buy into. And so don't be afraid to ask for the resources that your teachers need for buy-in as well. And in the former district that I served, there have been, growing numbers of teachers every year that had been invited to the PD that the district had once just taken principals to. And I believe that that's because they've they've begun to see that when teachers can buy into these ideas, when they can get the additional professional development, it's going to work a lot better at the building level with teacher buy-in than it's going to work with simply a principal who comes in with an idea and says, this is something we have to do. I know that we could continue a longer conversation about managing School wide initiatives and change. But, principal manners, listeners, I hope that these takeaways have been helpful for you. As you think about going into your new school year, slow down, ask yourself the question is this change necessary? Surround yourself with other people who are strong leaders too on your team so that you're not carrying change alone. Ask for feedback from your stakeholders embrace the fact that it's going to be difficult, and then look far down the road so that you can anticipate the steps, the small steps that are going to need to happen on that hiking journey that you take with change so that by the time you reach the peak or the end goal for your change, you've been able to do it with a team, not dragging people along, but leading people along. So thank you so much, Jen, for today's Conversation And Principal Managed Listeners, thank you for the work that you're doing because what you do matters.
1: Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time.
0: If you'd like other free resources like this one, you can check out all my posts at williamdparker.com.